2: Hear, hear how the full wind howls, O arrogant breath of heaven. You have only might to carry the leaves and slap the ropes on the flagpoles. You do not carve these alleyways anew. I have channeled thee. You have no dominion here, behind brick and oak, behind iron bolts driven shut within the moon underwater. Welcome one, welcome all to The Moon Underwater. And uh, it's been, The Moon Underwater has been refurbished in the last few weeks. And I have to say, I love what it's done to itself. Um, It's got a sort of, it's got a very nighttime feel. There's, there's bedding. There's some sort of big four poster beds that have been turned into booths. But sort of relaxo booths, where I guess if you were sort of young and Hip and swish. You could you could sort of relax on on one elbow, like on a che long. Um, or if you're sort of more respectable, you could just treat it as a more comfy version of a seat. But they've got those beautiful sort of turned. What would you call it? Well, like a turned headboard and footboard uh, motifs. Um, so it's a pleasure to be back here. Also, a little more staining in the glass. Some of the stained glass has been uh, polished, and uh, I don't know what I don't know what the phrase would be in the the other realm but revibrated is that is that what is is that what's happened to the atoms in the stained glass but certainly some of the key patriarchs and matriarchs of um of various testaments uh are looking pretty spick and span and it's a delight to welcome back robin allender hello robin hi john is it nice to be back in the moon underwater uh,
3: i love i love what it's done with the place yeah brilliant um Nice little touch with these beds. Uh, lift up one of those mattresses. Look underneath. Copper-topped.
2: Oh, a copper-topped bed frame. Yeah. What more could you want? It
3: does mean the mattresses sort of slide about.
2: Hmm. And there's some... Have you noticed behind the bar there's some mystery drinks? Oh, yeah. Just question marks on the optics. Just question marks on the optics and very interesting colours as well. Some of them like look almost like... Um, Like lava lamps in the optics, like miniature lava lamps. Ooh, yes, I'll have a shot of lava. Yeah, a shot of lamps, please. (laughs) Um, Folks, if you've not listened to The Moon Underwater before, these are murmurations that come from the correct realm, where all is well and a fantastical pub reveals itself anew and again and anew. And I... John Robbins and the Landlord and we interview guests about their dream pubs and what they would like to have in their dream pubs. But where have we been Robin? All this all this long long tomps. Long
3: tomps paid you. Yeah, well, we've we've been on our holidays which we've discussed in our monthly bonus episode behind the cellar door. Uh yeah, I went up to Northumberland. John sort of went on a busman's holiday of feeling sad abroad um in Ireland. And um, in Scotland. And Northern Ireland. And Northern Ireland, and Wales and, and wh- England. Wh- yes. It was John's British Isles <laughs> breakfast with Ireland. <laughs> and um, we could, we, you've also had your birthday bash.
2: Oh, Johnny J.R. in the uh, other realm is 40 years old. How, how old are you in this realm? Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. I think th- thrifty. Thrifty. Thriftly. Seven and twelfty. Seven and twelfty thriftly years old. But I, in this realm, there's no sort of age is a strange concept in this realm, because I, in this realm, I will never die. Right. And in, in in the other realm, I'm sort of constantly dying and being reborn. <laughs> okay. Whereas in this realm, you don't really die. You just sort of, you are re-envisaged. yes. And you communicate differently with particles. With your past selves. With your past selves, your future selves, and your own damn selves.
3: Yeah. So do you want to talk about your busman's holiday, or do you want to talk about your birthday bash? Well,
2: let's talk birthday bash, because the busman's holiday, uh, we, we covered in the bonus podcast, but safe to say, I went to some fantastic pubs in Northern Ireland. Highlights including, but not limited to, Bittles Bar, and Kelly's Cellars mm. in Belfast, which were dream, dreamlike. And um, Barony in Edinburgh, which uh, I'd not been to before, despite having spent, you know, 16 months of my life in Edinburgh in various ways. But uh, I think, I'm not sure if it's the Barony or Barony, but that was uh,
3: that was a lovely treat as well. Gleaming. Yeah, it's a beautiful pub. Yeah, in Northumberland, I went to the Red Line in Almuth, or Alnmouth as it's uh, locally known, which was fantastic in the Anik Brewery taproom and the ship in uh, Low Newton-by-the-Sea. And so thanks to everyone who recommended that. But yeah, as we said, we can, you can hear us discuss those pubs in further detail, and in, in particularly Sparklers for me, big Sparklers fan um, on Behind the Cellar Door. But John, you're 40 now. We had a good birthday bash Talk me through the pubbing highlights.
2: Well, we went to uh, we. It was sort of we tried to get in as much walking as we could because um, it was just north of Chesham, and the scenery around there is quite spectacular, isn't it, Rob? Mm, it's beautiful. Um, but we wanted to break up the journeys with pubs, of course. Um, so the first one we went to, the first pub that revealed itself, was. Um, The White Lion. Yeah. And it's such a gorgeous country pub. But what we weren't expecting to reveal was an enormous Spanish flag flying from this pub, you know, right in the centre of the Chilterns. And they had done what I always think is a good thing for pubs to do when they're doing food, is to pick a speciality and do it really well. Mm. And the chef, I'm not sure if the chef... Is Spanish, but the chef certainly knows how to cook a paella. Yeah. And some brave potatoes. <laughs>
3: brave potatoes. The great thing about this was, obviously, it was tapas. Mm. And I'd say it's fair to say of the kind of eight or nine people there, we're all fairly anxious people. Mm. And I think we all did have our hearts set on one meal, because tapas is quite stressful. Do you find tapas stressful, sharing? I know what you mean. It's that <laughs> classic sort of
2: asking the way to how many... You saw, You almost... I think with tapas, like with any sharing menu, you sort of want to see photos of the dishes. Mm. You want to know whether you're dealing with starter portions, light bites, or mains.
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> but it was st- beautiful food though, and fantastic pints were had there, and it was just gloriously sunny as well. Yeah, we all got burned, didn't we? Yes, we did.
2: And then the next pub, which I think was a real uh, a real drinkers' favourite, was the Blue Ball. In Asheridge, and it was so nice. The Guinness was exceptional. Mm. They had, um, oh, what's it called? Side Pocket by the Trim Brewery
3: on tap. And that beer was so well kept. And it's a lovely beer anyway. The great thing is, and I was drinking cider because it was so hot. Great thing about that pub, I think, was you go to these places in like the home counties, you expect everywhere to be super posh. But what was great about that was it was a proper locals pub. Very, very friendly. And, yeah, just, I was expecting it, you know, I don't know what I was expecting, but it was it was um, truly wonderful. And coincidentally, we watched the snooker in a pub called the Blue Ball. Oh.
2: Yes, we did, even though the blue ball of the title of the pub refers to the earth, I think.
3: Oh, right. Well, how do you know the blue ball in snooker doesn't refer to the earth? <laughs>
2: really nice as we sort of we were watching it on our phone and one of the bar staff came over to collect some glasses and sort of said oh do you want to watch that inside and they just pulled down this screen and all the locals who sat at the bar they sort of
3: joined in chatting to us and they suddenly became snooker experts let's say
2: yeah but they were just (laughs) they were just really lovely and sort of chipped in and bantered and asked how we were doing but without sort of you know they just got that balance perfect yeah perfect of of like Being welcoming without being sort of imposing.
3: It's a lovely insight into how rock and roll your birthday party was. We were watching snooker on our phones. Yeah, we weren't
2: weren't (laughs) watching just any old snooker. No. We were watching Ronnie O'Sullivan win his seventh world title. That's what we were watching.
3: There was a great moment. We were in this beautiful um, Bluebell Glade. And I just heard this noise from our friend Phil's phone of someone... Breaking <laughs> and a round of applause because he was watching the snooker in the Bluebell Glade. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, good good pubs
2: were had by all. But special shout outs to the White Lion and the Blue Ball, and what incredible scenery! So the sort of I think a good crawl if you're ever in that part of the world. It's Chartridge, just uh, well it's northwest of um, Chesham. Is uh, the Old Swan, the White Lion. Uh, the full moon, the blue ball, and the bell, mm. and the cock and rabbit, and that gives you a, a five pub crawl, sir, just circling some of the most incredible scenery I've ever seen. And I only live ten minutes away from there.
3: Yeah, and it's and it's really good because you do get the steps in between pubs. Oh yes, so oh yes indeed. You know, it's a good balance.
2: Um, but Robin, there must have was there a big stack of mist
3: waiting at the door when we got back? Yeah, I had to do an extra large sigh. Oh. Yes, I sighed from noon until night. <laughs> sighed the sun down. Yes, I sighed betwixt the... I'll oh, oh, shut up now. Let's read <laughs> out some emails. <laughs> Had a really nice mist here from Catherine from Billingham. Dearest Robin and landlord John, listening to the Ezra Furman episode, I was shocked to hear that John has never been on a brewery tour, with the exception of the dark... Skies Brewery. but I think she means Dark Star Brewery there. Is that like, yeah, and that yeah, wasn't
2: really a tour, a, a sort of official tour. They're just You just the, let yourself in. And I just let ground. myself in. Um, yeah, they leave a key under the mat outside. <laughs> no, just someone I knew
3: who worked there showed, showed me round. Lovely. Well. Um, Catherine continues, I'm not a beer fan myself unless it's a super sweet fruity beer like a Flor- Floris Creek or a lifeman's Fruitessa. But my full-time bee is that boyfriend. What's What's a full-time bee? A uh, full-time boyfriend. Oh, not like an actual bee.
2: No, not like a not like a bee that works for you sort of 45 hours a week. Though in many ways they do. Uh, they work for us all.
3: What is? Oh, bees. bees, yeah. He's right, you know. Blackadder. Honey does start with a bee. And a flower too. <laughs> um, I've been surprised to find that brewery tours have been some of the best days out on holidays we've taken over the years. And I've been completely converted, usually trying to squeeze a tour in whenever planning a trip. We visited breweries around the world from Copenhagen to Houston, where St. Arnold, the patron saint of brewers, saved us from a biblical downpour when everything else in the city seemed to be shut. We've loved listening to the fantastical stories of master brewers from around the world and can't help but feel John might be missing out. A recent favourite was the Green King tour... In Bury St Edmunds, okay, which I thought would be a bit touristy, given the popularity of their beer. But the history of the brewery and its evolution, shared by a guy who had worked there his whole career, was truly fascinating. Another not-to-be-missed is closer to our home up in Teesside and on a slightly smaller scale than Green King. At Durham Brewery... Ooh. you Yeah, I think I might have had something from Durham Brewery when I was up north. You and ten other people basically sit and get smashed with the owner. after he oh, fantastic. You, showing you his tiny industrial unit full of beer-making kit over the road. No waiting an hour for a single beer there, John. Give it 15 minutes and you'll be five beers deep. Definitely not keeping it session. Why not look a brewery tour up in your mind next time you're planning a trip? I think you'll love it. Lots of love, chaps. That's great. And that does remind me of, as we talked about in Behind the Cellar Door, going up to the Annick Brewery tap room, which is similarly on this kind of small industrial estate. But you go in through a little door and it kind of really reveals itself like a medieval feasting hall. It was absolutely Ooh. brilliant. Um, so on the subject of brewery tours as well... Um, <laughs> had a really nice email from edward preston bell and he's actually written some as he calls it pub erotica (laughs) do you remember we've discussed this so i actually might read some of um edward's uh pub writings here in um in the pub library in future episodes thanks so much for sending them in but he says um a couple of points here robin thanks for the recommendation the clientele Strange Geometry is such a good album and really pins down something about nostalgia that is usually quite hard to grasp. No problem, I will recommend them to everyone in the world because they're one of my favourite bands. But he goes on to say, I remember you talking about the Greenwich Meantime Brewery tour. I went on this tour in 2014 and I still remember the Burley tour guide. He was very funny and it's fair to say the tour would otherwise have been pretty dull. He said as an opening gambit, the only difference between this tour and the Fuller's tour is they don't say fuck on the Fuller. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on the Fuller's tour he also said before we started the plan for the afternoon is for me to give you all four to six pints of beer and then lead you around some industrial machinery <laughs> <laughs> yours with a pint of Harvey's Raised Edward that's a great email and yeah th- this is the thing because I remember our friend Alex saying he went on this tour and there's a guy there called Big Al and he said it was really quite an extraordinary event he threw someone's shoes out of the window so anyway <laughs>
2: <laughs> that would be anyway, like quite a dangerous job if you were if you were prone to pints to be yeah. like a
3: brewery tour guide. have we got time for one more miss? yes this is a great one from rob hi john and robin in one of your previous episodes you mentioned you've never visited the pubs of 2017's uk city of culture hull my home city you're missing out it's a great pub city What's more, as John is a big Philip Larkin apologist, <laughs> you could combine a trip there and complete Hull's Philip Larkin Trail, which is separated into three sections. I'd recommend doing section one, which is in the city centre and passes some of Hull's best pubs on the route, including the Lion and Key and the Minerva, my personal fave. We can have a pint overlooking the mighty Humber Estuary. The route also visits the White Hart, which is stunningly decorated in an Edwardian pomp. Why not also visit the similarly named Old White Hart, which is reputedly where the governors of Hull conspired in the 17th century to refuse King Charles' entry to the city, thus sparking the English Civil War. Now, I'd love to go to Hull. I've never been myself. But we should say on the Larkin front, we guested on a brilliant podcast called Tiny and All That Air, which is a podcast from the Philip Larkin Society. So John and I guested on that. You can get it where you get your podcasts and talked at great length about Larkin and pubs. And there was some discussion about going to Hull, wasn't there?
2: Yes, there was some discussion about going to Hull. And also interesting that for someone whom alcohol played a big part in his life, pubs actually don't feature a great deal in his poetry, even though you would think they were the sort of landscape he would find a lot in. But I I just think probably back when he was sort of in pubs in the 50s and 60s, there were such male environments Mm. that a lot of his sort of people watching is about sort of families and yeah, it's maybe he just felt it was sort of his space and he didn't want to... Um... He's just a big, big home drinker, Larkin, wasn't he? Mm. But he doesn't even talk about that a great deal. I mean, he makes reference to it, you know, when I pour three goes of gin or I
3: work all day and get half drunk at night.
2: His 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 poems aren't as booze-soaked as he was.
3: Yeah, the only, I think we said this on the podcast, the I think the only pub I can think of that's mentioned in a poem of his is essential beauty. Was it the high, high rafted pub where someone's being sick in the loo's or something? Mm. <laughs>
2: but it was, where does he eat, eat a bad pie? Is that in a station? Pub? Yeah, that's
3: a railway station, isn't it? Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Anyway. Yeah. Do check out tiny and all that air with me and Robin chatting Larkin, if that's your scene. Um, but the uh, the moon underwater has, as discussed, refurbished its own sweet sen. <laughs> Uh and I've, the problem is I'm not quite sure where the front door's gone. Ah, uh, so we need to get that sorted. Uh, we need to get it to shift back because I've got a feeling it's they're both round the back. So you go in one door and you come out the other and it's the
3: front... What's round the back?
2: I don't, yeah, well, I don't know. I'll go and find out. Uh, but we must get that uh, in line before our guest arrives and I can hear the pitter-patter of enormous wings, uh, which means that uh, they're probably swooping their way right this instant. Robin, I've just come up from the cellar, mate. You'll never guess what I've had to be doing. What have you had to be doing? Well, what I've had to be doing is uh, tinkering a bit with the imaginator, Rob. Oh, I like the sound of this. Yes, because, Robin, I, the moon underwater runs on a, an agreement that whatever you imagine is possible. And um, I'd imagined, well, fantasised, really, about an imposing red wine Uh Really robust red wine, and what happened was, it's
3: one letter out, so I got an imposing red wind. Ah, uh, is the Imaginator? Does it? Is it? Does it? Do you have to consciously think of what you want, or does it? Is it unconscious? It's it's unconscious. It's completely automatic. Well, what if you accidentally think of something
2: bad? Oh well, it knows that it's got filters. It's got <laughs> firewalls. It's right. not going to be, it, and it's mainly alcohol or pub based, right?
3: So you've got a limited supply of what you can actually order.
2: Yeah, it senses whether you're... So, for example, you know the machine on Star Trek The Next Generation which makes any meal you want? Yeah. That machine wouldn't make, sort of, you know, um, your your ex take
3: you back. <laughs> would it? <laughs> it would make you a pizza. You wouldn't accidentally order a massacre. No, no, not at all. And why on earth would you be fantasising about a massacre? In I'm the not saying. Well, I'm, I'm not saying I am. I'm just saying, who can say what you unconsciously want? It's like that Tarkovsky film Stalker. You know, you're always going on about that Tarkovsky
2: film Stalker. It's the you're only. Ar- him. <laughs> I
3: know. It's the only arty
2: film I've ever
3: seen. No, I really like
2: it. It's great. Anyway, what I've been imagining, Robin, is a guest. To come into the moon underwater and you'll only wouldn't believe this but there's all the letters are in order and there she is a mirage at the door well a mirage no longer please welcome into the moon underwater Suk odschler hello Suk.
4: you said my name perfectly thank you john
2: oh, you're absolutely welcome i like to do my uh i like to make sure i've done my research
4: and you got it right the first time that's incredible I did
2: in a way, didn't I? I did in a way get it right the absolute first time. And I'm very pleased with that and think I should win 10 points. Um, so suck, come and grab a seat. Where do you want to sit? Do you want to sit by the fire? Do you want to sit in a booth? Do you want to sit at the bar?
4: Um, I'd like to sit in a booth, please.
2: Oh, let's get into a blooming booth. Robin, what are you drinking, mate?
3: I'll have a pint of thyme.
2: A pint of time for Robin Allender, and we'll find out what Sook wants over the course of the rest of this verberation that we'll be sending into uh, the other realm. Uh, so, pubs in Sook, Sook in pubs, discuss.
4: Um, so, I am definitely pubs over bars, and I always have been um, because I don't like noise.
2: Oh, great!
4: Um, I don't like don't like noisy places. So, even as a kind of 20-year-old when you were supposed to be clubbing and doing all sorts of things like that. I would have rather have gone to a pub populated by old men just for the atmosphere.
2: The problem with a club is, so you know the music's going to be impossibly loud, therefore, really, it has to be your absolutely favourite music of all time. And so few places, really to the to the average sort of muso's ear.
4: Mm.
2: I mean, you're not going to go anywhere where they're playing sort of... I mean, for me, like, it would have been hard to sell enough tickets to a sort of Van Morrison at 100 decibels with a sort of a DJ banging out um, a no common one or no guru, no method, no teacher. But I would have gone. I'd have absolutely loved that.
3: Can you imagine that, Robin? Can you imagine that as a prospect? Well, I think of—I have a strange thing because I really like dancing. I mean, you can just one look at me and you can tell mm. yeah. I'm one of the world's natural dancers. But it has to be a song I really love. I mean, I remember being at a wedding a few years ago, and I just I only danced for one song Christine and the Queen's song—and I was really, and I just had no energy or inclination to dance to any other song. But for that one, I just couldn't control my human butt. <laughs> So, uh, where did you grow up, Sook?
4: So I grew up in Gravesend, in Kent.
2: In Kent, as a live and breathe. I uh, did a gig in Gravesend, and I mean the locals joke about it being sort of. Well, I think the phrase they used was "where everything comes to die." Yeah. What was the scene?
4: The scene. So grow. Up, so I grew up in the nineties. And the scene, uh, quite a few pubs in the center, I'd say the old, the usuals, the weather spoons and you know, the chains and all sorts. I always wanted to go to the so-called emo slash goth pub, uh, the red lion, which I believe could only be accessed by going down a flight of concrete steps from an A road. (laughs) (laughs) Just one of those places. And, um, they only served drinks in plastic cups um in case it all kicked off oh really well
2: like as in sort of clear plastic or like sort of those red ones
4: no clear plastic yeah yeah they just had no glass
3: was it a rock pub or like a goth a goth metal yeah. sort of pub oh great
4: all of the, it's, it it's where all the all the alternative folk went nice um but i only went there once cuz i wasn't really cool enough or alternative enough. I quite liked uh, the Pocock, the Robert Pocock in the town centre, which was a Wetherspoons, because it was massive. And because I um, was not, I'm not uh, supposed to drink according to cultural traditions and whatnot, um, you could just hide away in a little corner at the top. And I quite enjoyed that.
2: Well, that's very interesting. So talk talk to us about the cultural tr- traditions and talk to them about the perhaps bending of those cultural traditions.
4: So uh, my family is Punjabi, so come from a region of India called Punjab and you know my family I think all the men drink pretty much all the men drink in my family and none of the women are supposed to drink because it's supposed to be seen a masculine activity but most of us do we just uh keep it under wraps um until I've come onto this podcast to talk about it very openly um so,
3: <laughs> so is it a kind of thing where it's more like frowned upon or is it strictly verboten
4: yeah it's frowned upon I mean um, and I think that's probably the case for most Indian families that are kind of fairly traditional. Um, things are kind of changing now a little bit, but we've all drank kind of on the sly. So if we're at family weddings, you'll you'll get a Coke and then you'll get your cousin to pour a bit of Bacardi in it or something like that and pretend that you're just having a Coke and that kind of thing. A bit of vodka and some orange juice. So we've, we've, we've already kind of done it cheekily
2: that's interesting that it's seen as like a masculine trait because a lot of drinks sort of have genders as well there's a lot of quite feminine drinks so would that who would be drinking sort of not to say that necessarily you know women don't drink drinks for women men don't drink drinks for men at all but is anyone drinking sort of baileys or tequila rose or baby sham in in that household
4: uh, no, at our, at our kind of family weddings, you would have bottles of Bacardi. So yeah, there'd be Bacardi and there would be like bells. As
2: in as in Breezer, or like?
4: No, as in actual big bottles of spirits on the tables. Um, so you'd have a bottle of Bacardi, you'd have a bottle of like famous grouse or bells or something like that. And then you'd have five alive for the kiddies.
3: Oh, is this per table
4: yes per table yeah
3: wow india is a big con- i can i only know this because i did a pub quiz about this the other day for the, for the moon underwater but india is a an enormous consumer of whiskey massively and there there is an indian variant of whiskey which is a lot sweeter is that right mm,
4: yeah and also uh they're big on um moonshine as well like oh right making their own booze
3: yeah
2: Oh, and what form does the moon – have you ever had any moonshine? I've never had any moonshine.
4: Oh, my God, no. I would die, I think. <laughs> yeah, they're they're big drinkers. It's big business. I don't think they're necessarily – they make for good drinkers in, in terms of – I don't think, especially in my family, it would always lead to a fight in the car park.
2: Um... Did the sort of women, the generation above you in your family, sort of ever speak to you about drinking or give you any tips and tricks?
4: No. I once saw my auntie cheekily having an Archer's and Lemonade back in the 90s. Really? And where was that? In the kitchen. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so when you were a teenager or, or like early 20s, did you was it kind of a lot of sneaking out with friends and pretending to be sober when you got back kind of thing?
4: Yes, always. I remember once going to a birthday party at a function room above a pub, because that's what you did. It was an 18th birthday party. And I got so drunk on, I think I was drinking vodka and Coke at the time. That was my, probably the first drinks that I had. Yeah, vodka and Coke. And I got so drunk. I hadn't eaten because I was so excited about this party because lots of of boys were coming from the boys' school, the boys' grammar. And um, I was really excited and I would bought a new top from New Look and so I hadn't eaten and I just drank a lot of vodka and Cokes and then I remember, I don't remember how I got home, but I just remember (laughs) creeping up the stairs and obviously um, avoiding the creaky step and getting into the bathroom and then going, I'm not sure which end this is going to come out of (laughs) and then sitting on the toilet and then throwing up in the sink.
2: Lovely. And what did, did were you able to cover your tracks by which I mean did would they found out didn't, no one found out that you were, you were hammered?:
4: Oh no, 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 no no. I'm very, I'm very sneaky.
2: Sook, we're going to create your dream pub this evening. Is it going to cater for nooks and crannies and people who maybe don't want to be seen? Talk us, talk us through the, the sort of the environs.
4: I can tell you what I don't want, and what I don't want is mismatched furniture
2: oh okay
4: i don't like mismatched furniture i find it quite troubling to the eye um i want booths i want them to be cozy i want cozy armchairs you know a fire in each room I want it to be fairly dark but what i also want is lots of space between seating areas because i don't like it when you go to a pub and if you're at a table for two and then there's a table right next to you and you're like oh i just you know apparently I'm having a night out with this couple over here
3: yeah that's the worst
4: yeah and that, and I was I was like that pre-covid where I just was please everybody keep two meters away from me at all times um yeah that's it I think some like quite traditional kind of you know like the dark woods that sort of thing um cozy yeah quite traditional
2: I hate that sort of uh wagamama situation where you are you walk into an empty restaurant and you are then sat on a bench next to the only other couple in the restaurant. <laughs> yeah. mm. But the one, I think the oddest behaviour on earth is when you're sat somewhere, whether, whether it's in a train or a cinema or a pub, and when there are lots of options for seats far away, someone comes and sits right next to you. It happened to me on an empty train carriage the other day I was sat back right on a two with my back to the door. There must have been 80 seats on this carriage. I was sat on the aisle seat with my bag to my right. And a guy came and sat on the aisle seat on the, on the seats right next to me. That's weird. And I was so close to saying, mate, what on earth are you doing? But then you can't because all he's done is sort of sat down.
4: Move. Why didn't you move, John?
3: I would have moved in that sitch.
2: I was, I think I was, it was too, I did eventually, but I had to wait for like half the journey. So it looked like I was getting off.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, so weird. So we've got no noise or limited noise, matching furniture, dark woods. I like, so we're thinking your walnuts, um, your mahoganies. Yes, please. Is it based on anywhere you've ever been or is it is it purely of the mind? Because it doesn't feel like you had sort of that sort of pub when you were growing up
4: no it's probably an amalgamation of all the pubs that I've been to it's probably an amalgamation of like the famous Royal Oak in Muswell Hill and a pub that I went to on the Isle of Wight which claims to be the oldest pub in England it's in Ventnor I don't know if you've been there very very low ceilings yeah very lovely a bit creaky but yeah it's very very sweet
3: there are, there are lots of pubs that are trying to stake that claim aren't there They're the oldest pubs in the country, I think, yeah. Yeah, there's one in Cambridge. There's a year-old trip to
2: Jerusalem in
3: Nottingham. And the
2: problem is, it's very difficult to define, A, what a pub was, because pubs didn't really exist in those times, and also whether it's continuously been a pub for that period. So it could be a building that served ale in 1100, but then it was a coach house. Then it was um, a butcher's. Then it was uh, an HMV, then it was a candlestick makers, then it was a pub again for a bit. So you can see where the problem
3: arises. Hey, Mark, what is up with your bad self? Well, hey, Simon, what is up with your bad self? Well, as it turns out, lots is up. Like, actually, what? Like a whole new podcast. They thought we were going away, but we're back. Bigger and better and larger and more is more. And it's going to have reviews of... Big films, small films, weird films, new films and... And television. Kermode and Mayo's Take. Follow now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts
2: So, Sook, what are your first two options? We're talking draft here.
4: So, I don't, I don't really drink anymore. <laughs> don't drink very often. Um, but what I, the only draft beers that I know, or are these lagers? Um, was in when I went to drama school in two thousand and two. I was a very sheltered eighteen-year-old and also just kind of needlessly angry. Um, and I don't know if I was angry just as a person or if I was angry because I drank the following. And these were the two drinks that I <laughs> drank a lot of. Um, Carling and Stella were my two drinks that I drank a lot of um, at the time. So I think for old time sakes, um, during my butch years, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go for Carling and Stella.
3: Nice. Uh, it's two sides of the Allender coin, isn't it, Rob? Well, yeah, I'm a big fan of Stella. Um, Carling, not so much. But yeah, I, I don't mind Stella. I mean, obviously, had a terrible reputation, and so when you talk about being angry, then did you do you think the the, the drink made you angry, or did you, what 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 happened when you were eighteen that, that we we just kind of are you uh, gonna are you
4: gonna invoice me sixty pounds at the end of this for my therapy yeah, session? Yeah, is this yeah, what's yeah. happened?
3: Um, yeah, let's walk it back. Yeah, <laughs> I've definitely never had that from Stella. though. I don't think it's ever made me angry.
4: I do you think it did. I think I just wanted to be one of the lads. I think that's what right. it was.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so
4: that's why, I, that's why I drank that. Yeah. And I drank pints and pints of it. Like it wasn't, I don't know how I was standing for those two years. Cause I couldn't drink it now.
3: Where was this? Where were you studying?
4: Oh, this was at um, a drama school called the court theater training company, which used to be in Kings cross. And now they're in fancy Hoxton. Um, but, yeah, we used to drink in a a pub on the corner, which kind of changed hands multiple times over two years. It was a gay bar for a while, and you know, and there was another pub down just like on the other side of the block, which is an Irish pub, and that's where we used to go a lot, and they used to have karaoke and all sorts, and there was another pub that we the girls never went to, but the boys always did, and they used to have exotic dancers. Where you could see a show for 50p on your lunch hour. Really? So this was very much King's Cross before gentrification. Right. Yeah.
3: Nice pubs around King's Cross, though, as well. Yes, the Queen's Head. Yeah. But it was Stella and Carling were the student choices.
4: Yes, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Hi, John. David Cameron here. Really enjoying Moon Underwater. Absolutely brilliant. I know you're manically busy, doing a great job, by the way. It's bloody hard. I think the team's coping extremely well. But do you have a moment for a word? I'd love to come on the Moon Underwater. Um, I'm on this number and V3. All good wishes, DC.
2: Well, let's see if uh, we move beyond classic lagers uh, when we discuss your bottles or, ca- or can selections.
4: So I would like. See, if it comes with bottles, the only things I really drink are Magnus and Peroni. But there was a beer that I had when I went to Lanzarote, which was my last holiday abroad a couple of years back, which I can't remember the name of it. But it was a lovely light beer and it was very, very cheap. Um, And it just basically tasted like a fizzy drink. It was wonderful. It it was something like, I don't know, a Euro can or something. It was ridiculous. like a euro for like four cans it was yeah um so I can't remember what it was called which is not very useful but Magnus because it you know it reminds me of summer and it tastes like juice and it's quite sweet I've got quite sweet tooth and Peroni because it just reminds me of being on holiday and it's it's a nice one if I'm like oh I think you know loads of people are having a beer and I want to fit in because you know peer pressure and I just want to be loved then I'll be like well I'll have a Peroni (laughs)
2: You go on holiday to Pizza Express. <laughs>
4: <laughs> a group in Gravesend, John.
2: Yes. I mean, and what a holiday Pizza Express is to all of us. Mm. It's
4: middle-class McDonald's.
2: It is slash just sort
3: of a, a, a crash if you go at the wrong time. Jesus, oh, yeah. John's a big Magnus man. I think Magnus was the... You've got to think pre-Magnus. Say what you like about it. It did kind of bring in the cider revolution a bit. Didn't it, it shook up the scene. It shook up the scene. But I mean, I I mean, I would uh,
2: pre-Magnus, it was Blackthorn, Strongbow, Bulmers, which was really nice um, when we used to have Bulmers at our cricket club. But I think that was slightly different to the Bulmers you get now. But I just remember that uh, Blackthorn, especially that really acidic, just kind of
3: sort of clags up the corners of your mouth and the back of your throat. But I I remember, uh, John, you doing So You Think You're Funny. It must have been 2005 when we went up to Edinburgh and Edinburgh was doing, the festival was doing such a push on Magnus. Do you remember that? It was Magnus Central. It was Magnus Central. And it
2: was also Magnus Centric. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that was great. God, but I do have fond memories of listening to Ghosts of the Great Highway by Sunkill Moon and just quaffing Magnus under Magna's canopies next to Magna's posters. Great days. Great days. Yeah. So Carling Stella, Magnus and Peroni. I I've got a suspicion you are sort of creating weather spoons in some ways. <laughs> yeah.
4: What can I say? I like to be popular.
2: Yeah, and absolutely. And people are gonna like your pub. There's a slight mismatch between perhaps the drinks and the and the uh, the vibe. Yeah, with your low ceilings, your fires in every room, and three commercial lagers. Yes, but hey, it's your fantasy.
4: Exactly, and aren't we just all a juxtaposition, really, of lots of different things, John?
2: Well, that's so. absolutely one hundred percent true. Well, speaking of juxtapositions. We now have to head over to the lovely Robin, who is Brain Box in Residence for the Moon Underwater Pub quiz.
3: Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down, it's time for the quiz. He played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger, that wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey have been deducted five points. Welcome to this week's pub quiz at the Moon Underwater, and this week it's another suggestion from Alex McNutt at the Tiger Tavern in Tunbridge Wells, who's given me loads of great suggestions for pub quiz rounds. And this week, I think this will be up your street, because you seem like you might be interested in interior design and interior decoration, with your, you know, with your matching furniture in your dream pub. So this week it is about Farrow and Bull paint colours, okay? and I'm going to read out eight colours. Four of which are real, and four of which I have made up. And you have to tell me which is which. And as ever, the answers are in part two. So you understand where we're going with this, Farron and bull paint colours?
4: Yeah, I'm in.
3: Excellente. Cool. Okay, so number one is Cherry Ghost. Cherry Ghost. Number two, Elephant's Breath. Elephant's Breath. I like saying them twice. Like, I don't know why. Question three. Dead Salmon. <laughs> Dead Salmon. Question four. <laughs> Pale Chamber. Five. Borrowed Light. Oh, what an incredible thought. Question six. Mouse's Back. Mouse's Back. Seven. Oxford Stone.
2: Oxford Stone. Sorry, is and- Mouse's is Back, is that... Um- uh, apostrophe s
3: yeah right but it could mean mouse is back like return of the mac or yeah, it could like return mean of the, the mouse. return of the mouse or it could mean the back of a mouse but it is mouse apostrophe s back yeah okay mouse is back and number
0: eight
3: <laughs> cabbage memory So there we go, there's quite a few Because it was so much fun doing that round We've got eight there So, So let's see how you did in part two uh,
2: great stuff. Uh, well, we will return to Suk Oddler's Dream Pub in part two. But just a reminder that you can head to moonunderpod.com to find out how to support us on Patreon, uh, find out about live dates for any live shows we have coming up, and also to link to all the previous episodes of this podcast. Uh, we will see you back in part two.